This episode features the band Uncured, and this is the original version with the audio in English. What's up, everyone? I'm Zach. I'm Rex, and we're from Uncured. We are just on Volume 11 podcast. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Volume 11 podcast. I'm your host, João Vitor Vilela, and we're here today with the founders of the band, brothers Rex Cox and Zach Cox, founded in 2016, and they are already going on tours all over the world with huge, huge bands like Laguna Coil, Slipknot. Right? You guys have done Children of Bottom. Anyways, you guys have gotten a really fast signature sound and got in a lot of good recognitions not only from the critics but amongst other musicians that play with you guys so one of my great curiosities is how do you guys manage not only to get there but because you guys got there so fast how do you adapt to it like do you even believe it's happening you know as you said we've been a band about three and a half years and um Three and a half years ago, we didn't know how any of it was going to go, really. We were just, at that point, just writing songs because we thought it was fun and it was cool. And then we got our first tour and we were all excited for that. And one thing just kind of led to another and another. We didn't really stop to think about, I guess, like what was happening. We were just enjoying it as it came. You know, three and a half years later, it's still very exciting. And uh, we love playing shows more than anything else. Uh, that's really cool. So just for people that don't know you, because Sepultura and our audience is from Brazil and Sepultura is really famous here, I would say that you guys have a Sepultura-ish but with a technical, hard to explain, some dream theater kind of vibe. So for people that would have never been able to hear you guys' sound, but how would you describe your sound? From what I can analyze, it would be something like a technical metal but with like some tribal roars and some rhythmic ritual dance vibe kind of thing. <laughs> right, that's a good way to think about it. We like to call ourselves just a straight metal band, but we've also been adding clean vocals that Rex does. We have um, a lot of big breakdowns and heavy riffs because they're one of our favorite things to listen to and play. But we also have a lot of technical guitar solos because we take a lot of time working on cool solos and especially to play on stage, as well as you want to talk about some of the clean parts. Yeah, so I guess one of the main things that we do that a lot of metal bands, well, I mean, a lot of metal bands do, but so a lot of metal bands don't do is uh, those clean parts where we just kind of strip it down to clean guitars and clean solos and stuff maybe a bass solo on occasion it's a cool moment live but it also sounds really good recorded because that way the songs can kind of open up and breathe and then when the heavy shit comes back it's heavier you know <laughs>
Yeah, I can use an example like in Death Valley, who starts listening to the song will be like, okay, this will be like a more chill song until the breakdown comes, right? right. So a lot of people would be really surprised until the breakdown comes and be like, wait, I didn't know this was about to come, right? <laughs> and how is this organized between the band? Who from the band has the more core vocals and these harder riffs, but generally slower? And who in the band would have the more progressive and more technical kind of thing and fast shredding? And how would you eventually come to the final result that would be a song like Death Valley? How does the composition process go along? Well, we all have different favorite bands and musical influences, but uh, everybody's pretty much on the same page as to what we should sound like. For a song like Death Valley, that one started as just like a basic metal song where we didn't have the clean part. And then we were like, you know, we should have a chord change. Maybe we should do the chord change over something with a different sound to it. You know, just kind of worked out some notes so that the chord change was nice from B-flat Dorian right into the B-flat minor regular. So it was like, it was just a satisfying chord change. And then we just worked from there and made it into a more relaxed, chill part. You know? So, from what I can see, you guys understand what's going on in the songs? And then does that feeling come like on a jam, for example? Oh, let's jam for a while and then let's see what can eventually become a full song. Or how would you start with an idea? Maybe you just have a melody line in your head. How would that go? Right, well, none of our songs like ever really came from all of us jamming in a room together. We'd work individually with like a practice amp or something, come up with some riffs. And um, we actually don't really play anything together until it's already mapped out. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So it's not just like trying to figure things out on the fly, because that's where you're more likely to cut corners and just try to find something easy. Yeah. You play a lot of the same stuff if you're playing with drums in general. You just get a lot of chugging and stuff if you're improvising. That's a very interesting take, actually, because a lot of bands will do the opposite. They'll jam and then they'll eventually find their sound. But it's interesting that you guys analyze the song and kind of separate all its details before actually getting to play together, because then you have a good idea of what it is, right? You don't go to this comfort zone that would eventually become another song that sounds exactly like right. your band already sounded, right? We try as much as possible to keep all of our songs sounding very distinct from one another. Even though we have like a certain sound, you can tell it's us, I think. There's no two songs or any two parts even that sound like one another. Maybe a couple licks in the solos, but apart from that. <laughs> Which is completely natural, right? Because <laughs> you'll also have like groovy riffs, for example. <laughs> I don't know who'd listen to like a really metal breakdown band and be like, the chug chug chungy thing and then expect something more groovy right it's a nice mixture right and i was also wondering for example if you go to you guys' 2019 full-length album which is <laughs> gonna sound funny for who's listening now it's called epidemic <laughs> 
Okay, I gotta ask, I'm sorry. How was you guys' reaction noticing that an eventual pandemic would come in the beginning of 2020 already releasing an album called Epidemic? <laughs> we were just a little ahead of the curve. Some Simpson futuristic reveal kind of thing, huh? Yeah, like, um, obviously we didn't know this was gonna happen. <laughs> but uh, I guess it, it just keeps the album relevant a year later. It's that's cool. still going on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, that's cool. For example, you guys are very talented musicians technically. I imagine that like lots and lots of years of practice have resulted in that. But then how do you guys eventually come together to say, let's make this really cool technical band? Did you guys have earlier band projects before or other musical projects beforehand that maybe just didn't get as popular? I feel like everyone that search you guys, they only know you from Uncured, not from any other projects you're right that's our first project and when we were young like 14 and 16 is when we released our first ep the all instrumental one mm -hmm. it was just us together since we're brothers okay well max drummed on that one yeah we had um max portnoy who's mike's son was our first drummer on the ep oh really yeah so mike from dream theater mm -hmm. but we never actually did any touring with him we had a full-time drummer liam join us in 2017 before our first tour mm -hmm. and he's been with us ever since yeah. He jumped on Medusa and then we rehearsed as a full band. I guess all of that took place, the recording and rehearsing in like six weeks. And then we were on our first tour with Liam. I mean, he just fit right in the band right away. So did you guys not have like any interest in making projects prior to that where was that moment that you guys were like okay we're gonna call ourselves uncured and we're gonna release our project when was that flip of the switch well we never had any projects prior to this i mean we were so young when we started we're also the type of people that would rather focus on one thing and make it great instead of have like a bunch of less great things kicking around mm -hmm. um so that's why we take time with i guess everything that we think is important and uh honestly i don't remember when it became official, mm -hmm. ever since we started touring, that's what we call like the official start of yeah. Uncured. Yeah, I see. What were your favorite moments? Because you guys got to play with so many people, you know? Yeah, some like we played at Summer Breeze with Jamie Jasta on the main stage in Germany, which was the biggest crowd we've got to play to. So mm -hmm. that's definitely probably one of the top highlights. Cool. That was one of the best moments. As far as the regular shows go, the seven we did in South America were by far my favorite. Yeah, definitely. Not, it wasn't even close. They were the best. What made them so special? Uh, it, since it was our first time in South America and we were direct support for Lacuna Coil, mm -hmm. I feel like tons of people there already knew us and knew our songs like would come to see us before the shows even that is so cool yeah we could totally tell that everyone was 
super excited to see us as opposed to just people that might have heard of us. So it was definitely different as compared to earlier tours. That was the moment that you realized that people were coming to the shows already knowing who Uncured were and what they sounded like, already knowing what they would be able to expect, kind of like that? Even from our first tour, people knew who we were. Mm -hmm. But I was saying like in South America, a huge percentage of the crowd already knew us as opposed to just a few people that knew us. So it was definitely a different experience because we could tell people knew our songs in advance as opposed to just like, oh, maybe I heard of it. That's cool. Yeah, like sometimes some shows that weren't as great, you know, you'd walk on and they'd be cheering and it wouldn't be insane or anything. In the but, past. Yeah, in the past. But um, mm -hmm. wrote a new intro track, started our set differently now. And when we walked out on those seven shows, instantly the room was just filled with energy. So it was, it was great. <laughs> it's easier to just have yourself in that ambience, that show ambience, like, okay, now my mindset is that I'm playing to this huge crowd. When you feel like people are, okay, they're actually waiting for me, right? They're not like waiting for me to open for the band they want to watch. Because you guys have gotten the opportunity to play with so many bands and to so many people, right? Do you actually feel the difference between playing to like 2,000 people or like 5,000 people? After it gets to a certain number, does it make a difference from the guys that are playing there up on the stage? Well, we always put on our best show no matter what. Of course. But as long as you don't see the floor and it's like an empty <laughs> venue. Oh, okay. As long as there's people there, we always have a good time performing and we're always going to bring it. But you could tell when the crowd, especially when it's packed, mm -hmm. it's just the more people there are, the more fun it is. Put it this way, we would rather play to 300 people in a packed room than to... A thousand in a big stadium, maybe? <laughs> yeah, you know. I guess the interaction with the crowd and if they're into it and the energy in the room and it's always better vibe and better energy when it's like compact. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. What made you guys realize that we're gonna make a South American tour and we gotta make these advertisements for the South American audience? We came to South America after touring in the US at least eight times, I think, and Europe once. So it was um, logical for us to start to come to South America into our third year and start developing more of a fan base there. You know, we did our Roots Bloody Roots cover. posted that you could see on instagram a lot of our audience is from south america i see so we did our roots cover because we knew we were going to play it there on spotify like sao paulo and rio were some of our top cities and listeners in addition we'd always if we would boost an instagram post of like a solo video we would boost it to a place like brazil and mexico and um just because it would have like a large reach everyone there is always responsive to like we found metal videos and guitar videos, and it was a, a good audience to interact with. Do you have any idea why our Latin American audience maybe found interested in you guys' sound? 
Um, I guess everybody in South America has a really deep appreciation for metal and heavy music, and they don't cut it up into subgenres like okay. metalcore and stuff like deathcore or whatever. It's more just like, from what I found, it's like this is metal, and I'm gonna appreciate it for what it is. You feel in the states it's a bit different, maybe? I think that there's more classifications <laughs> in the states. Okay. That kind of just, I guess, pushes you into certain subgenres. I see. I see. It's easy to sell you guys' image if you're like, "Hey, we're a metal band, but we also have some slightly non-metal elements. Would you like to take a chance on our sound?" <laughs> and then maybe the South American people would be more receptive to that. I think that's a really, really nice observation because I was actually really surprised when we said South American people have an appreciation for metal music. Because in Brazil, people say the opposite, which I think is very true due to our cultural and musical diversity. Just as a society diversity so that's very interesting i think that's one of the reasons why the south american tour was so successful and despite me loving american music all different kinds of music there's no doubt that there's so much good stuff coming from there i feel like a lot of times you'll tune into radios and you'll see that oh that's the country radio oh that's the rock radio you know and it's separate from each other that's kind of unpleasant at sometimes to listen to the exact same thing over and over right yeah on radios it's like the big genres like they have metal they have rock they have country and i think that that's you know obviously appropriate because you can definitely tell rock from metal and sometimes there's blurred lines mm -hmm. that area in between rock and metal is my favorite and that's kind of what we're moving a little bit more towards i see big fun riffs fun solos but also big clean catchy choruses that's where we're going in the future I see, I see. Where do you guys come with these inspirations? Is it like you listen to the stuff you like and then you eventually implement it in your sound or started as a band that maybe was a little stricter as a metal band in the beginning, now we're diversifying? Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. In the beginning, it was just technical and all instrumental. Mm -hmm. The first album was definitely more just metal with only harsh vocals. Now we're adding clean vocals, accessible choruses. Like one of our favorite bands is also Slipknot and Bad Wolves. So like a heavy verse into a clean chorus. Yeah. While you're still a heavy band, you have more accessible parts. Yeah. Slipknot actually is a great example because you'll get Corey Taylor. The guy will sing something like Stone Sours through the glass. And people equal shit at the same time on Slipknot, yeah. you know, like, yeah. really, really opposite sides of the spectrum. And both bands are huge. Exactly. Sour and Slipknot are both gigantic. making cover songs 
after having like a well-structured original songs that already makes a lot of success. Generally, bands do the opposite. They'll start with covers to eventually try to see if their songs make any type of success. What was the idea of you guys going back to the beginning, you know? Our publicist wanted us to do some covers after we had Epidemic on Spotify, and we all thought it was a good idea to get some more people over to Spotify and have another way for people to find us. Okay. It definitely worked. That's cool. It was a lot of fun to do the covers because like the songs are already written but we get to add our own solos to them and leads to them yeah and you don't need to write lyrics it's already there but we just get to try to improve on it or make it more of ours I think I've got everything out of the way for whoever is listening. What would you guys like to say, maybe future projects of the band, but what would be like some final considerations that maybe you'd like to tell about the band and you guys' career in general? I would say please stream us on Spotify, find us on social media. If you message us or tag us in something, we will see it. Ooh. Yeah, right? <laughs> for whoever might think that they're lying, like, oh, I'm going to send them some kind of message and they're not going to respond. The guys didn't even know me. And I was like, hey, would you like to participate on an episode on the podcast? They're like, yeah, sure. So here we are. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> and guys, I truly, truly appreciate that because it's really pleasant, especially 21st century, when you have the ability of getting in like firsthand contact with the guys, you admire their work, you know? So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Of course, yeah. yeah. We are happy to do it. You can also follow me at my Instagram, at jvrvilela that is at jvrvilela or on volume 11's instagram it's spelled volume no 11 or even at our website volume no 11.com our podcast is generally in portuguese but eventually we have international guests so i'll keep the original language and you can eventually follow the ones in whatever language you speak episode was edited by me, João Vitor Vilela, and I'll see you guys soon.